This is the Final Round Podcast, coming to you live from the FingerLakes1.com studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. And now your host, Chris Marquardt. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this edition of the Final Round Drag Racing Podcast. Excited to be along with you. The, the train's running early tonight. I don't know if you can catch any of the whistles that we're going through behind us here as we got everything up and running. Uh, just making sure that everything is actually up and running. There we go. Everything's looking a little bit better that way. Jason made the trip in. We're going to be catching up with Ben Height here in a little bit as well. So looking forward to that conversation. There's been some news on the national level, been some news on the local level that we can get into here. Western New York Super Rod Association. They've wrapped up their 2020 season. Empire Dragway looks like maybe they've wrapped up their season. Uh, we got some point stuff that we can go over with that. And then Camping World has officially signed on. Now, a couple weeks ago, that was the big rumor that was going around. But Camping World now making things official, signing on as the title sponsor for um, uh, for the NHRA's uh, premier touring uh, division. So uh, I got in a, a conversation with uh, a bunch of the Demolition Derby guys about TV coverage, and, and they were watching some, some drag racing stuff. And I brought up some of our discussion from a couple of weeks back and how the 15,000 to win is ultimately irrelevant to some of these top tier teams because they're going to make their money off of the TV exposure that NHRA has to buy anyway. Right. And, and they were, they were, well, I think some of them were indifferent to it, but they were really surprised by that that NHRA didn't have the same type of network deals that NASCAR or football or the NBA has. Yeah, that's one thing I will say that uh, NHRA does a pretty good job of is they actually do a fairly good job of portraying themselves really as being this, you know, let's call it gigantic organization with, uh, um, you know, a huge fan following. But um, you know, they've always aspired to be, you know, just like NASCAR. Uh, you right. know, I'm sure that, you know, they'd like to be NASCAR's big brother, but uh, they've always aspired to be at least uh, a twin brother to NASCAR, but, uh, you know, drag racing rather than, uh, you know, circle track cars. Uh, um, but, and they've done a good job, quite frankly, of, like I said, kind of portraying that image. But in reality, they're a much smaller organization. Um, you know, if you looked at the large, you know, sanctioning auto racing sanctioning bodies out there, I mean, they're by far the smallest, and have the uh, you know not only have the smallest following, but have the least amount of money as well. And um, so, yeah, they don't command the type of TV money that you know an F1 or NASCAR or, or even IndyCar does. I mean. IndyCar doesn't have to pay for their TV rights. I mean, I'm not sure who covers them this year. It was ABC last I knew. But, um, yeah, they still get paid for their TV contracts, unlike NHRA that is paying to broadcast their their, their events. But at the same time, they can then leverage that into their own advertising package. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how – it's curious. You know, I don't know how it works um, fully with ESPN. So what I don't know is, uh, you know, when they – well, I say ESPN section Fox now, um, but you know when they do the the programs, if they are purchasing the airtime, um, does that mean that the advertising dollars that are generated from that that they take that money in, or does the network take that? I don't know the answer to that. My guess is that they're probably paying just for the production costs primarily, um, and that the networks 
probably the hook for the network is, hey, look, not only will we pay you to do the production, um, you supply the announcers and the cameras and everything else, but we'll also allow you any ad revenue that you can generate. Great, that's yours to keep. That would be my guess. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, the real money that NHRA gets from that is obviously their title sponsor and you know, really all the racers that they represent with sponsors. Uh, if that TV coverage goes away, all those sponsors that you, or all those racers that you have with major sponsors more than likely go away too. Right. You lose a, you lose a big chunk of that. And that's, that's one of the things where with Camping World stepping up, it's going to be a little bit more, um, it's going to be more lucrative for the racers that aren't full-time. Mm-hmm. Because now that 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 they don't have necessarily the sponsors that care about getting the That's TV right. coverage, they might be able to attract some extra dollars here and there, but they're going to be fringe dollars. It's not going to be primary money like like you see on the Force cars or on the Perdome cars or something like that. But right at the same time, otherwise you would have seen nine cars at a national. <laughs> There's no doubt that the car count would have been way, way down for sure. And, uh, you know, I will say that a nice thing overall for those guys that are running part-time is it does give them the ability to potentially land sponsors. Let's call it for a local race that from a company that really doesn't want to make a huge investment. And at the same point in time, would now want to potentially have the ability of getting a little bit of TV, national TV time exposure. Um, so I'm trying to think of somebody in general. Uh, let's call it uh, for the Gator Nationals. Um, so Sonny's Barbecue uh, down in Florida. So they might sign on with, um, you know, Jim Head Racing to sponsor them just for the Gator Nationals. And What's the what's the hook for Sonny's? It's like, well, Sonny's now has their name at this big local event where there's going to be lots of customers that are going to be in the area walking around. But at the same point in time, all right, great. Now if we get some TV coverage too, we get a little bit of extra national exposure right. all for sponsoring this driver for one event. So sure. there's definite advantages to, to doing that for sure. What, uh, what do you think about the, the argument to rerun the pro stocks? Uh to rerun the pro stocks? Yeah, did you hear that? No, that no, this is banter that they're they're trying to rerun the pro stocks from. I can't remember what town it was. They were trying to rerun the the pro stocks because of some gripe and complaint. And, oh, was there? I guess there was some type of controversy uh, supposedly in one of the in the final of one of the events. <laughs> Once it's over, it's over, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would in general, I would say that. I mean. I have to say, I the NHRA did reverse course once. Um, I believe it was. I'm going to say it was Steve Johnson running Matt Smith potentially, and they ran in the final round of. I'm pretty sure it was the U.S. Nationals, and ended up. Basically, the timers and the wind lights showed that I'm fairly certain that it was Matt Smith won. But the video replay clearly showed that Steve Johnson was at the finish line a half a bike length in front of Matt Smith. And at first, NHRA basically stood in front of everybody and said, hey, yeah, you know what? Uh, Wind lights don't lie. I mean, that's what it is. And then after basically 
you know, so much backlash, I think, and people saying this is just totally wrong. It's incredible that you're even letting this go. It was like the next day that they said, all right, we change our mind and we're, um, you know, awarding the win to uh, to Johnson. And, uh, you know, overall, that's okay. There's nothing terribly wrong with it. It's certainly better to get it right. But at that point in time, the racers had already left the track. The celebrations were over. Um, you know, all the media exposure and everything else that somebody would get from being in their winter circle with their with their car or bike and everything else was all over with. Um, so Johnson really ended up getting the, uh, the the short end of the stick. But that's the only time that I can specifically remember an HRA reversing course or having a rerun or anything like that. Well, it doesn't sound like they're going to at this point. Um, the issue was from St. Louis. Okay. And they ended up stopping them midway through eliminations because the track was going away. Okay. There was a couple of bad wrecks. So the, there was a big um, contention that there was traction compound that was used. But mm-hmm. then it wasn't, it wasn't. Up to snuff. Well, well, so subsequently, the, the, the word is that it didn't get dragged right. Okay. Yeah. So it didn't adhere. Yep. And a couple of wrecks couple people close to wrecking chunks of the track started coming up so the argument is let them rerun the race and well (laughs) i I think i think you know how i feel about that i mean (laughs) here's the thing we've we've talked about this i know in the past and i don't want to see people wreck their stuff and, and or potentially get hurt right and that's certainly a worst case scenario when you're expecting the track to be prepared to one level it'd be different if they if all the drivers showed up knowing that it was going to be a no prep race because then you can you can prepare for a green track um but in this case yeah quite frankly it is what it is i mean who should be the winner? Well, the winner is going to be the guy that uh, either did the best job driving and keeping his uh, his car between the yellow line and the wall and or set his suspension up the best to be able to get his car down the track. And the fact that it was, uh, you know, ugly, I guess, and, you know, not, I mean, in the end, everyone was on the same surface. Right. So it's not like it was unfair. I mean, um, the, the, the issue is when you've got chunks of the, chunks of the track coming up, um, they only got through the quarterfinals, and this was the Mopar Express Lane Midwest Nationals yeah. that we're talking about. Kenny Delco, he wadded up a car pretty bad. On, uh, Derek Kramer, he, he took up some chunks of the track itself. Yep. Yep. And a bunch of other people were close. You know, They were close to wadding up some pretty expensive race cars. But, you know, again, here's, here's the thing, right? So let's say the left lane is full of potholes and the right lane is perfect. Um, well, how do you get set in a particular lane? How you get set in that lane is being higher qualified car. So when it gets to qualifying, everybody is supposed to have at least one shot in both lanes. Um, now in pro stock, I will say it's tough. Um, because the, in a lot of cases, the cars are so close that when you qualify and what the weather conditions are, when you qualify, uh, makes a big difference into how quick you can run and where you will end up in the qualified field. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't want to be in the crud lane with the potholes in it, be the higher qualified car, <laughs> and uh, then you won't have to go over there. And if if you make it past first round after running through the crud lane, well, guess what? Now, if you get down the track fast enough, faster than your competitor, you'll have lane choice the next round. So... Again, they're not going to get a lot of sympathy from me. Like I said, I mean, it's a shame that people wreck their cars, and it's a shame that, you know, NHRA sent them down the track in the first place. Um, 
or said we're going to hold a race. But again, not being empathetic, I guess. Um, there was nobody holding a gun to anybody's head, making him go down the racetrack that day. Um, ultimately, and again, does NHRA share in the responsibility here? Yeah, they do. But ultimately, the ultimate responsibility basically resides in the driver and or team owner that dis- that makes a decision. Yeah, we're, we're good with going down this track. Right. I, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but locally we had a race where we packed up and left um we packed up and left we made one run and we're like we are not going down this track again and everybody packed up and left um so now that could have been the pro that could have been the pro stockers choice as well right they could have all loaded their cars into their into their haulers and been like hey guys we're out of here we're done um but in the end, and again, it's a shame that people wrecked their stuff, but ultimately they were the ones that made the decision to to, to take the take to the track surface. So was that a was that a super rat association race? Mm-hmm. Yes, it yeah. was. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is uh, the problem in our case was that the it's because of the way that we run our cars coming off the throttle stop. Um, so we give the car an instant hit to get off the line, and then we take all the power away and coast along for a couple hundred feet and then apply all the power again. So for us, where, yeah, the starting line is critical, but you're only, for us, we're going very slow at that initial hit. Mm. What's really critical is 200 feet down track. When we apply all that power back, the track has to be good. If the track is not good, then, yeah, we're going to have a problem. And... Of the, well, let's call it a dozen cars that we had, um, I'm not even going to say anybody made it down the track. Everybody had problems, and at that point in time, we just decided, hey, you know what? This this track is not set up for our style of racing, and we could have obviously just said, hey, we're going to go with it, and whoever's the best at getting their car down the track is going to be the victor tonight. Um, we just decided, yeah, you know what? We're not going to do that, and we're going to reschedule for another day. Um, so it happens. It does. It does. Um, my question on that is also back to track preparation. Like, you look at a dirt track, and if they know that weather's coming or if they know that uh, the track's been too rough the last couple of weeks, they don't put as much water in, they turn it over different, you can do all these different things in terms of prepping the track. Do you consciously change up things on the top end of the track just because you've got a touring group coming in. I think that you'd want to go with the most consistent setup that you could possibly put out there so that you, you, you draw more in terms of the parity and get close racing for eliminations. Yeah, that's that's the really hard thing, I guess, we'll, we'll say for a touring group that you know never goes to or rarely goes to a particular track. Um, and let's let's just say Western York Super Rod Association. So we decide to go to Topeka, Kansas, and maybe that's a bad example because that's a national event track. But let's let's use Topeka, <laughs> Kansas, just for an example. So it is it's a use track. This is a hypothetical because it won't happen. Well, I'm using it as a hypothetical because it's a track that we've never been to before. Okay. So we decide this is where we're going to go this week, and we have an expectation with regards to our our setup and how we race our cars that we're going to get there and that this track surface is going to meet our requirements for racing this track. Now, at the same point in time, if Topeka has never hosted 
cars like us out there, how do they know how to prep the track, right? Sure. So you the the track basically does the best job that they can and the racers kind of show up and hope okay well we hope that the track is uh prepped the way we like it but if it isn't what do you do um certainly one choice is to say okay well this this isn't going to work and hey we're going to reschedule for some time later or yeah if if you have enough money invested and enough time to get out to this remote track you say hey you know what well I'm sorry, guys, but uh, it is what it is, and we're going to have to uh, make the best of it. And you know, you're going to have to tune your cars and suspensions to get down the track the best you can. Right. Um, getting down the track as best you can, doing it consistently all season long, can get you some track championships. It can. Empire Drive. I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's a rumor. <laughs> they tell me. <laughs> A uh, couple track champions that, that we were looking at from Empire Dragway. Uh, looks like at this point all the points races are, are in. Uh, Western New York Super Ride Association concluded their season as well. Did you end up deciding to put the points on the shelf and just run Correct. the season? Yeah, right. yeah. We didn't, we didn't have a point series this year. Uh, you know, quite frankly, our season was uh, a, a nightmare race, uh, I, or a nightmare season, I guess. Um, went back this week. So, yeah, our last race was this past Saturday at Empire, and uh, we rained out and after the after the second round so we were down to the semifinals and it rained out um kirk perry doug linden and vince gregory ended up splitting but of the eight races that we originally had scheduled for 2020 we lost two due to covid and we only finished two of the remaining six um the others were either rain shortened or rained out completely um it really really (laughs) incredible just some really bad luck and uh, (laughs) you know we knew we were going to be up against it a little bit with covid and stuff like that so we're just like well we'll see what happens but uh yeah i'm really glad we didn't have uh any sort of points championship because quite frankly um I, I'm guessing Pete Maduri would have been the champion because he, he of the two races we did complete, he lost in the finals both times. So <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it didn't seem like it was a great year to have a to try and have a points championship. Uh, I got to hand it to uh, Rob Keister, I guess, with, uh, um, you know, the Dot 90 Association being able to get all his races off and uh, still have points championships. So good for them. He was saying that he had scheduled, he had outlined his schedule, and then he scheduled like another six races total on top of that as with everything he's shuffling around and changing. Did you right. have, did you have a six race schedule that ended up being ultimately 18 date schedule just to get two oh there races was in? yeah there was i mean this last race here and again we didn't finish it but this last race was third times the charm uh hoping yeah. that you know the third time we put it on the schedule was uh, when we could get it off but you know we did the best we could and um yeah it is what it is so uh, you know hope for a better 2021 but uh yeah, Empire was able to finish uh, their season overall. Uh, I know that Don Keekle, I know, I think tied for the Super Pro Points Championship. Sam Chapman also was 17. Okay, there. yep. And uh, um, the others I don't know off the top of my head. Um, well, Reed Rickardson had an outstanding season. Okay. In, uh, in pro, 23 points to, to pull down the track championship there. And uh, Matt Vogler. 23 points in a junior and uh there was a tie in the the street class too mm-hmm. and nab split that one yeah uh, 19 points each there um 
not a bad season overall, <laughs> given everything. Right, you know, got, right. They got races in. They were able to crown champions. and That means that they were able to race fairly regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they did. I mean, I will say that, uh, you know, <laughs> Empire... <laughs> It's Rob said he changed the schedule five times and drank heavily. <laughs> Aggressive alcohol intake. If yeah. people don't understand, it's almost two starting lines for a dot ninety car. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah because of the fact that, like I said, it's that initial hit and then two hundred feet down the track, right? Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a good point. And uh, yeah, I mean overall, I mean Empire had a, a halfway decent season. Um, unfortunately, you know, you get to the end of the year and, uh, you know, again, we would have finished this weekend, this past weekend, except for the fact that, uh, um, you get to this time of the year and you always have issues. Cars are starting to get tired. So you have breakage. Um, the, the gassers were out there and literally the second pass, the guy blew his rear end up and, uh, you know, got gear oil all over the track. Um, so we were down for a good hour at least then. Um, and then, uh, uh, then we had, uh, oh God, what's Larry's last name? Uh, Larry with a beautiful Chevy two, uh, he ended up crashing and still in the first round. We didn't even get through the whole first round of time runs. Um, we only got, uh, he was running in, in, in pro or no box. And, uh, my understanding is he had a gigantic wheel stand and then came down and broke something from the wheel stand and ended up hitting the wall and that took us down another hour um and you know that then rain came in right around right after six six fifteen somewhere in there um but uh, i mean honestly the weather forecast looked great up until that time and uh, it was really only when western york super Rod association was out there running did empire uh, or was supposed to be out there did empire have uh, a, a bad weather forecast i think so the empire isn't bringing you back with full expectations running a, a sunny season all year right I, i'm pretty sure yeah we've been banned from the track potentially for uh, 2021 and beyond. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about the weather this summer, it wasn't that bad. Um, it was. It started off cruddy in the beginning in the in the spring. It rained I can't quite tell you a how bit. How many times I heard the sentence? It doesn't matter if COVID shut us down because we wouldn't have been racing oh, anyway. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, beginning of the season it was bad, but then the actual summer, you know, let's call it mid June, it was pretty nice. The only time it rained was literally almost the Saturdays that we were supposed to be out there racing. What was the die-off like? You know, you always, you always have that year-long attrition. People run out of money. They break parts, like you yep. said. With the late start, I thought maybe some of that would be avoided. But with the sounds of things, that's it's never going to be avoided. Uh, I don't think it is ever going to be avoided because, obviously, you know, guys, you know, the really hardcore guys are going to find places to race. So... You know, whether obviously, you know, you go out of state in New York. I mean, there were issues there, too. Right. Because, all right. Yeah, I want to go to Virginia. Oh, no, I can't because uh, um, it's on the banned states and I'd have to quarantine for two weeks and that type of thing. But, um, yeah, overall, the hardcore racers are going to find places to race. And whether it's all right, I'm going to race at, you know, Lancaster Empire and and Esta and I'm going to hit those three hard or uh, I'm going to I'm going to travel or whatever it is. So, um yeah, like I said, you're always going to have One have that. You got going back and forth to races with a deeper schedule instead of running one track, you're running two or three. Right, that's a whole lot less maintenance time. Oh between. yeah, yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, right. yeah, and, and, like the I other said, thing too is that it, we we didn't have fans in the stands necessarily at these tracks all over New York. The, the select seven or eight dirt tracks that opened, and maybe nine at that point, they didn't have fans, but they still had all the cars mm-hmm. so 
even though they started in June with the rainouts and stuff, they might not have started until like the end of May. So we're talking about a fluctuation of what three, maybe four weeks. Yeah, for so, for Western New York, not a lot, really. Yeah, it didn't it didn't change much. I mean, it, we're we're scheduling races in March and in April, saying it'd be awesome if right, knowing that likely it's going to get dropped. But if it does get in, boy, we're the first one that's going to be open. Exactly, we're gonna get all the cars. Yep. Yep, yep, exactly true. So, yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, there probably wasn't a huge difference. And, you know, guys that had their cars ready, um, I don't remember I don't remember much. Um, I don't remember, you know, when New York came out with the banned state list. I don't think that was until later. later. So, you know, come March, let's call it. Well, let's call it April. If you had your car ready to go come mid-April... And when did the car shows? When were the car shows supposed to be? Go from that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I wouldn't be surprised, right? If you had guys from around here that had their cars ready, and because Empire couldn't open, maybe they went down to New Media um, and went and raced down there for a few weeks. And uh, I don't was I don't think Pennsylvania was ever on the band. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania had the biggest issues with fairgrounds related events. Okay, because of the county and yep. subsidization and stuff like yeah. that so some of their standalone events uh i know roaring knob they stood alone they, they, they didn't have any county ties or anything so they they had a full schedule down there but the county fair level stuff didn't so if your track was at a fairgrounds you were in real trouble yeah you know that's one of the problems that canandaigua um was able to end around is the racetrack itself is leased out to somebody from the fairgrounds okay it's leased out to another entity that promotes the racetrack and so when the county fair was in town they didn't do any racing okay but when it was when it was just a typical saturday and they uh, the 21st of june is sticking out in my mind somewhere around there mm-hmm. and they brought fans back a couple times and then then that was when all of the um outdoor gathering religious uh gathering Back and forth was going on. Accord was involved. Can-Am was involved. Genesee was involved in, in, in different, different levels. The thing that drag racing is sort of immune to it because the spectators aren't so heavy a, a part of it. It's the racers in the pits. Right. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And uh, I'm trying to think, actually. Rob, <laughs> Rob said New, uh, New Media had 400 cars the first weekend they opened. Yeah, and that yeah, and that doesn't surprise me. And I bet you there was a whole bunch of guys that were from this area that probably went down because they couldn't race around here. Um, I, you know, again, I don't know if Lancaster ever got the okay to have fans at the track. Well, I, I don't think anybody got the okay. Well, Empire did. Yeah. Empire did because, uh, and I think that came. I think they ended up um, taking that and pushing it off to a county by county decision. Mm. So Empire being in Livingston County, much more rural, sure. I think got the okay. Actually, I know they got the okay on a limited basis. On a limited basis, the biggest city in Livingston County, Geneseo. It, it might be. Or Hornell. 
I'm not sure if Hornell's in Livingston County. Hornell? Ah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to guess it might be Geneseo or maybe Dansville. I'm not, I mean. It certainly isn't Mount Morris, then. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly a much smaller county, where in, in New York or Lancaster, you have Erie County, um, which is a much more populous area with Buffalo being there. I mean, it's, it's you know really 15 minutes outside of the city of Buffalo. So I don't know that, that Lancaster ever got the okay to have fans at all. Um, after they opened, they had restrictions with regards to the number of crew people that you could bring in, um, which Empire had that as well. But, yeah, Empire did eventually get the okay to bring in a limited number of fans, and I don't know what that was. But, um, like I said, there was restrictions. But, yeah, the drag racers, I mean, for the most part, when, when you have fans out at the local races, it's uh, either they're gen- – well, let's call it fans. Um, they're either people there to help other racers or they are – uh, you know, really friends of the competitors out there. They're not, hey, let's go to the drag races and go set up in the stands and we don't know anybody here and just go watch some cars go down the track. That generally doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. I'd like to say that it does happen. And unfortunately, uh, you see pictures, uh, you know, we all have short memories. You see pictures of uh, from Lancaster in particular where the stands were full, jam-packed, but... It's always hard to say you don't know whether or not that was on a special night when they had John Force there or, or, or what was going on. So, um. Oh, oh, I forgot. I talked to Jeffy from the Fab Farm. Uh-huh. With, uh, ben is Chris. Can I put you in? Hey, let me put you in. All right. Um, and I'm blanking now on the times. The... The Nostalgia Dragster, they put up some, some pretty crazy numbers. Oh. And how I can't remember what they were. I didn't wrote them down. And, uh, man, I can't remember. Well, we'll have to... Uh, Robin, I, I think they were... It was it was the fastest they'd ever gone. Yeah. And I cannot remember what they were. And if I say it, I'm, I'm, I'm completely making it up. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get them on the yeah. get them on the show so we can talk about it. For sure. We got uh, Ben joining us now. Ben's on the show as we speak. Ben Height. Uh, went down and raced the final. Hey, there he is. Um, sure we got everything opened up for Ben. Hey, Ben, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Yeah, no worries. A little so, unexpected. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we want to get you in the studio for sure so that you can come in and uh, people can get the whole uh, Ben Height experience. But uh, um, I don't know if many can handle the whole Ben Height experience. <laughs> Well, it'll probably be one of the more entertaining shows. I mean, that's for sure. People will be, uh, you know, definitely tuning in to see that rather than me. Um, but uh, we didn't get a chance to talk. I mean, I saw you last weekend. Obviously, you didn't get a chance to yep. race with us because we ran the abbreviated schedule and uh, we were only getting one time run. But uh, we never got a chance to talk about uh, your trip down to Virginia. My trip down to Virginia. Rather unsuccessful. That's uh, not really how I'd like my showing to be. I don't know. I guess well, we'll go with lack of sleep, just in a rush to get there, you know, I, when I drive overnight to get there. So I just about pulled 24 straight hours. I was supposed to jump in my race car, you know, between going to work in the morning and then driving down overnight. I think I rolled into the gate at about 8.34 on the dot. Whoa. <laughs> yep. And then uh, I had what I had no alcohol uh, for the race car, for the race car, of course. <laughs> and by the time I actually got my drum of alcohol, I ordered uh, 
Q1 was already done and dusted. Oh, yikes! That hurts. So to start to start what was a pretty big weekend in my eyes. Yep, was not good. And normally, the way I react, I don't really have data on it. But with my data, if Ben's in a rush, Ben doesn't put it down. Yep. You know, I don't know. You know, some people like the whole rush, this and that, but I like to be there, ready to go. You know, but. Oh, well, you know, you try some things, you, you win some, you lose some, and that's why we play the game, right? Yeah, well, I will say, uh, I'm like you. I don't like the rushing thing. I like to be there early, set up. Uh, I'm generally, when you know when they call us to the lanes, I'm generally one of the first people down there because I like to be down there and know that I have yep. plenty of time. And, um, yep. You'll see me when I'm in the lanes. Uh, I'm generally always one of the first people to get in the car. Um yeah, I get in the car uh, and sit down and just start getting comfortable. I don't like the rushing thing. Uh, when it comes to that standpoint, I don't mind hanging back. I don't mind, you know what I mean? I'm in no rush to get the round done. Is, I mean, I guess I would say, but as far as being at the racetrack, set up, cars out, ready, good, semi-clean. I'm not the uh, cleanest of car freaks, but... That's why it's a race car. Right, right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, now no, my buddy Timbo yells at me all the time. But, uh, yep, rushing to the racetrack or getting set up is something I, I don't really tend to like to do. I do like, you know, the whole rush of double entering. You know what I mean? You have no time to stand around and think. You just, right. You're in the car at all times. Yep. I think that is a big part of my drag racing Um just seat time, seat time, seat time, seat time, seat time. That adrenaline. The more, the more your butt is in the seat, you know, the the more likely I feel. So at least myself to succeed. Some people like the single liner, have their time, make sure the car is right, this and that. But when I sit down to think during eliminations or during a specific drag race, that's when I screw it up. Mm-hmm. But getting to the racetrack and being prepared for that particular race, yes, I like to be there on time. I mean, doesn't the adrenaline rush also play into now you're only able to focus on big things and you miss the small things and then the subsequent adrenaline dump? Makes I mean, you I hate to, to say it. I hate, I know I, I hate to, I hate to say it, but I love, I love to say it. You know what I mean? Uh, I learned how to drag race and I don't see, I don't hate to say this, but I know I, I hate to talk about the Fletchers. I learned how to drag race from Mr. Fletcher and data is 110 percent the game you know what i mean i could show up just about anywhere and dial that car within a couple hundreds you know what i mean yeah it's funny because we uh we talked about that on the way down phil phil harnden and i talked about it on the way down to the track on saturday that we weren't sure at that time empire hadn't said or at least we didn't know if they had already decided to do one time run and right. uh you know, for us in particular, it was like, hey, you know, what do you think about doing one time run? And we were both okay with it. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll yeah. go. I mean, yeah. heck, if guy, if we got there and guys wanted to go right into first round, we'll do that. I mean, I know we'll be close. I, I, I would I would like one look at the racetrack. You know, I mean, come on, Jason. We all like to party, but you're talking a party. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's it's yeah, it's nice to it's that's definitely a big to, round, that's a big round number one. Oh, absolutely, it's nice to definitely okay. uh, like you said be able to have at least one time shot. But uh, yeah, I'm we get the race, If every, hey everyone everyone be in the same boat, right? So if everyone's in the same boat, you get you get nothing, you get nothing. Let's go. I'm all right with that. Uh, no, 
Right. But so what? Uh, so I mean, I, and I will say I can empathize with your situation because I did plenty of what you did at Virginia when I was your age. Um, you know, the worst I remember being pulling into Chicago, basically just like you pulled into Virginia. It was pulling in the in the gate at eight o'clock in the morning, missing first time run by the time I got pitted and all the rest of that stuff. Um, going down there, you had uh, you were in the top ten in the division at the time, right? I believe I was sitting like number twelve. Okay, and after, uh, yeah, after the stats rolled in from was Epping or Maple Grove, I'm sorry. Yeah. I believe I was sitting like 12. Okay. And uh, when... Uh, far out, I mean, if I could have put four rounds together, you know what I mean? And it would have been okay, and I had two shots to do so. Uh, but, no, you know, just unfortunately that's the way it happens, and it'll make me ground harder for next year. Now, when, uh, what uh, did you... Was it second round that you went out on in the first race? Yep, second round I went out in the first race, and then... I lost an okay race, uh, second, the second race, I lost an okay race first round. I mean, I was a, li- a bit tardy. I think I was 31, and Sean Frick was 23-ish, had me by 10, holding a bit more than I anticipated, and yep. he caught me with a pretty good drop in the cones. And with my car the way it sits, right height-wise, if, you know, last split-second drop is a little tough for me, because the nose will sit in the lights, or the cones, I should say. But... You know, it was what it was. I, you win some, you lose some. Sean Frick's a pretty decorated racer. Oh, yeah. He's black a couple times. You know what I mean? He's won a bunch of that's super the, street that's races. That's the most fun part, but the most the worst part. You know, after my first go in the NHRA to actually race super street, I went to Lebanon, and I, I was throttle-stopping wrong. I got yelled at for that by my buddies. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't know. I was putting a stop on it uh, 30 thousandths of a second out rather than 30 hundredths of yep. a second out. yep. Or three full tenths. So the car wasn't getting out of the beams before it would drop onto the stop, which, you know, so I, I was 30, 33, 34, 32. Right. Couldn't be better than 30. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what kind of delay I had. I could roll in the world out you, you wanted to, and it just didn't work. Yep. And also not knowing that uh, Pro Tree for Super Street and NHRA is a 470 Pro Tree, not 500. You know, so I rolled in there with. Only, I don't know, maybe four passes on yep. the trial stop from Empire to Lebanon. And I got cracked first round. And I stood there and thought, I'm like, man, Mr. Fletcher's job is not this easy. <laughs> it's not that easy because we all know you're going to win more than you lose, you know? And just going out there and losing round number one, my first ever time out, yeah, I definitely dreamed it would be better than that. Uh, definitely thought it would go a bit better than that on my way there. But, um, yeah, no, that's rough. That's rough. Well, I mean, at this point, uh, you have a little bit of motivation, right, to uh, come back in 2021 and uh, oh, absolutely. try I to improve, know, right? I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Hopefully this virus and everything clears up. You know, that was my that was the biggest thing is I could go to, well, maybe five or six divisionals within a six-hour you know, radius of home. Right. And, you know, when Norwalk shut down for the year, uh, New Media had to cancel theirs. Atco canceled theirs. You know, I just I lost out on a lot of stuff, unfortunately. Well, I had to make the trip to Virginia. You know, I had a little bit of a shot at something that 
would have been it's, it's been a goal in my life you know what I mean some people you know, have been there and done it yeah not so much wouldn't have made that trip but eh, we gave it a whirl well yeah and I know uh, I will say that uh, I never uh, I I've won a division race but I never finished uh, never finished in the top 10 in a division and uh I would have liked to certainly, but uh, yeah, at this point I'm too old for that. Uh, and uh, oh no, you're still a spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell that to my kids who uh, are like, man, this guy's old. old. <laughs> We're only old if we let ourselves get old. And I know you know, Jason. I definitely don't act like I'm 28 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you uh, you definitely so like to act a little bit younger. Have some fun. Oh yeah, it's, and that's that's all. I mean, this what's all this is all about. It, it is all about having fun. I mean, obviously we want to go out and win races, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you had uh, been division 1 champ, let's call it, unfortunately, the money to be division 1 champ is not good enough that you could have uh called Randy Jewell uh on Sunday night and said, "Hey, guess what? I quit. I'm done. I'm not working anymore because I just won so much money to be D1 Super Street champ," right? Um Yeah. Yeah, definitely not there anymore. Yeah, but so, even that, you know, I don't know. So the working for Randy and stuff, it's, it's really not all so bad. You know what I mean? He actually was. It's really cool. I mean, I do ask a lot of that man. God bless him. But uh, I, I, the amount of times I've left to go racing, and we're sitting in Columbus for that Jeg Sport National. And I'm there on a Wednesday, sitting at the racetrack, ready to go on the racetrack with my buddies, and I'm sitting there. I know. I remember looking at Tim. Dude, I'm here on a Wednesday, man. Like, I'm here on a Wednesday. This is wild. My own stuff, everything. I'm getting ready for battle. This is wild. And every time I ask that guy, he does not tell me no. You know what I mean? And it's just... Right. Even the last time I go to Virginia, I'm like, dude, I know I'm asking a lot. I, I, I really do. I get it. But... Uh, I, I Can I do it? Go. Get out of here. Get out of here! I'm like, jeez, I don't understand. You know, he's definitely uh, you. Definitely found yourself a good boss to work with, and it, obviously, it doesn't help that he's a or it doesn't hurt that he's a drag racer as well, because he obviously remembers uh, being 28 as well and wanting to go to all those races. And I don't know what his yeah. situation was when he was 28 years old, but maybe he had the uh, a, a boss to, that let him do it. Maybe he didn't, but uh, yeah. I. Either way, I'm sure he looks at you and says, yeah, I remember being there doing that. And uh... I, th- I think he does. I think he does a bit. I don't disagree with you there. You know, I just, and I never realized, you know, before I started working for him, I, I knew who Randy Jewell was. I didn't know who he was. I mean, that guy's a bad dude. Oh, yeah? It's a bad dude. You sit there and watch some of his stuff. Now, you know, I'm young and early into my quote-unquote mechanic days. So, you know, sometimes he shakes his head at me like, dude, come on. You know what I mean? But. He's he's very very patient, but he's got accolades. Uh, just every which way you look, that man has got accolades. I didn't realize that when I first started working for him. I did not. But that guy knows that guy that guy knows the game, and he knows it very well. Yep, yeah, and uh, that's that's why uh, I'm letting him touch my car. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, taking my car over to the shop there and letting him build a set of headers. Uh, yeah, I, I. What? I, oh yeah. Oh, you didn't yeah, know that. Uh, oh, I was just, the way he sees stuff, you know, my jaw hits the floor. I mean, I just he comes up with it in forty seconds, and I'm like, I'd be sitting here scratching my head for 
Hours. Hours. Chris is uh, over here in a state of shock. He didn't realize that I finally committed to having a set of headers built for the Corvette. How many spreadsheets? Yeah, that thing needs to be on the racetrack immediately. (laughs) How many spreadsheets did it take to to come up with? uh, Analysis? Did you do it to decide? Been as long as I've known you. (laughs) Oh, it hasn't been that long. no, you know, I will say that, uh, you know, a couple of people that I talked to about it, but, uh, you know, with COVID at the same point in time, I mean, some of the people that I talked to, um, and it's not to say that I wouldn't have selected Randy regardless, because uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, Randy built a set of headers for Billy Lieber, and, uh, um, you know, he had nothing but great things to say about them. And uh, um, But, you know, now once COVID hits as well, it's like you start saying, well, I'm, we're going to take the car and uh, take it to Canada and have F.J. Smith build a set of headers. It's like, no, you're not. Um, Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, right. So, you know, now you start doing things like that and you you cross off the list. It's like, all right, people that, you know, potentially could or, you know, you talk to and it's like, oh, yeah, you you just kind of get the you get the impression that from a schedule standpoint, it's going to take them months and months to do it. And uh, talk to Randy. It was like, hey, it's definitely not a fast process. I watched him. I've gotten the opportunity to watch him. I think do two or three sets of headers for you know racers that we would know. Ed McClef, Ray Thurston, stuff like that. Yep. It's, it's incredible. You know what I mean? I look at my my set of Hooker Sport Comp headers on my race car. I'm like, huh, huh. I just the thought process he puts into it is unreal. Yeah, like I said, you have to be able to visualize you know what you're doing there and and. You know, when talking to Randy, it's like, you know, we had a schedule. We wanted to bring the car out in October, late October, and Phil's going to Florida, taking the motorhome down to Florida and coming back and talking to Randy. He's like, yeah, a few weeks and we'll we'll have this thing done. You can come pick it up and then put it away for the winter. And, um, you know, that goes a long way when you're talking to, you know, regardless of whether you're talking to a guy about building a set of headers or having your house sighted uh, or, or just – fixing your car right it's like how long is this going to take and it's like when the guy tells you well i'm not really sure it could be a few weeks it could be a few months you're like yeah okay never mind i don't want to get involved in this and randy was never like that and you know i try and be for myself and i'm sure you're the same way ben i try and be as upfront with people yeah i try and be as upfront with people as i can um if i'm in a hurry i'll tell you if i'm not in a hurry i'll tell you that too um but don't for for anyone that I do business with, please under promise and over deliver. Right, right. Yes, no expectation. Yep. No expectation. Right. It's, it's, yeah. No expectation. You know what I mean? Just... Yeah. If you tell me if you tell me three months and I'm okay with three months and you yep. deliver it in two and a half, that's fantastic. You tell me three months yep. and it ends up being six, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little upset. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely understandable. So. Yeah, I'm. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's funny too because Randy was able to convince Phil. Phil, I, I told Phil that from the get go that I wanted to build a set of stainless headers. And Phil was talking to me right. the whole time. He's like, "No, you don't want to do that. Just build a set of mild steel." And I don't know what Randy said to Phil, but he convinced Phil that uh, the stainless headers are the way to go. Um, Absolutely. So they're going to be stainless, also. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm shocked. Because this has been a conversation that's, that's been around. Oh yeah, I mean, we've, we've been had a lot yeah, of people. We've comment. been yeah, we've been doc- talking about it for a long time, joking about it for a long time. Um, Jeff Jackson said it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, uh, cool. yeah, a couple of weeks we'll have the headers done, and uh, I will say too that uh, you know for us we've already talked about 
stuff that Phil is going to do for in his on his car in the offseason. Phil has already told me, he's like, hey, we want to make sure that the Corvette's ready to go because we'll probably start the season with the Corvette. So, right up. Never a bad plan. So, it's it's nice to have a it's nice to have a backup car, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're gonna love yeah, for sure, for sure. I can't speak from uh, experience, but definitely. <laughs> so the Corvette. Definitely, that could never be a bad thing. No, no, absolutely. Corvette's gonna go with the new headers. It'll be going in Phil's trailer to get it around. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah, because I don't have a trailer yet. I mean, <laughs> one step at a time here. We'll we'll get a set of headers first, and then we'll worry about the the trailer <laughs> later on. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, again, I'm really excited because uh, uh, the other the other thing that uh, my dad used to make a joke about guys with their Lexan windows when they were all scratched up and stuff. He would say, "Man, what's with your windows? They're kind of spooky looking because they would look like they had spider webs all over them." You know, um, well, the, the windows on the Corvette are definitely spooky at this point in time. So I'm really looking forward. To, uh, Randy's going to put a new set of windows in it, which I'm really looking forward to, and. Uh, um, I think. Well, the other thing uh, as well, Ben. I don't know. Do you run a Do you run a vacuum pump on your car, Ben? I do not. I believe one should go on, but I do not. Yeah. So that was the other thing that I did talk to Randy about and said, uh, "Hey, since we're doing a set of headers, does it make sense to put a vacuum pump on the car at the same point in time?" And it's like, "Well, probably." So. Um, well, without one, it calls for a lot of expensive oil changes. Yeah, that. Uh, and I mean, you just you miss out on a little bit of power, right? Uh, that you can have with the vacuum pump. So we'll. Uh, I would say Jeff Jackson's probably making uh, jokes again about my car being uh, from the 1970s, right? And still no, using the the Pan Evac system. He said just tow it with the cruise. Oh, <laughs> yeah, flat flat tow my Corvette. I could do that. Uh, I could do that. Uh, uh, so yeah, it'll be. I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, now, how about you, Ben? I mean, what uh, are you done now for the year? Uh, I think we got one more in us. Uh, we got to go back down to Piedmont. Oh, what for? Reclaim to try to reclaim our fame from last year. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, so that's yeah, that's in November, right? Down. Yeah, November twenty first, I believe the date is. Wow, that is so late. So late, so late. I know it is, but unfortunately, but fortunately. We got to do it again. <laughs> so you're just going to, at this point, you're just going to keep all your stuff uh, packed up and ready to go. And once November rolls around, you'll take off? The car is what I, what I, what I call it uh, weekly waiterized. If, yeah. that, if that sounds right. You know what I mean? Just being on alcohol, there's a bit of maintenance you got to do. Sure. Yada, yada, yada. You know, as it's going to sit for five days. But that car will be tied down. We'll run a battery charger out to it here or there. And uh, see if we can't go get something done. And so after Piedmont, let's assume that, uh, you know, things generally stay the way that they are. And uh, after Piedmont, what's uh, do you have any big plans for the car in the off season then? Well, so the worst part is, is the thing works so well the way it sits, right? Right. I, re- I, I would love to not even have to pull the motor out of the car. I, I would love to. Unfortunately, I don't. I I put somewhere around at least 250 laps on it. Wow! This year, wow. I mean, but that's you know, I'm definitely racing somewhere every weekend, weather permitting, and I go doubled. I mean, you're going to go out of town to a decent money bracket race. 
you're, I mean, you're going to spend 600 to get there, call it 1000 to get there for a weekend. I'm going to at least take two shots at it, right? Sure, absolutely. But, um, no, yeah, I... I would like. I would like to. I know. I know. Randy really wants to because the car doesn't show its full potential. I got to send my shocks out. My front. My front struts or coilovers. I got to send them out. Have them be fixed. I got one that's stuck on uh, the uh, tightest setting. So obviously both are fit to match there. So I'm losing yeah. a bit of weight transfer. I could use a bit less weight spring in the front of it, and probably two inches longer just for a little bit more stored energy to really get the car to weight transfer. Yeah. Uh, but now they're talking, we're talking maybe we'll finish the cage through the firewall. I mean, we're pretty much, we'll, the plan with my car is just not Chris Carlotta's Firebird. Okay. Because that thing, the way, that thing is wicked. That is a wicked car. And I mean, it's, other than body panels, it's pretty identical. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. So I'd like to really just mock the front end of Chris's car, put a two-wheeler K-member in it, leave his, the stock, you know, strut mount location but you can cut some weight out there if you finish the bars uh and then you know like tubular lower control arms something like that i guess randy calls says i mean he's done enough in his day that whole tubular front end deal really really lights the front end of the car up i uh i would say if my budget permits uh now, now you're making me think that while the car is at randy's that i should be talking to him about that for the corvette too I could possibly. It's just, it's just crickets. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, yet, yet to have a, a tubular K member control arms. I don't really know how those cars set up too much. I don't know if I've ever had the opportunity to touch a sixty. What is it, sixty three? Sixty three. There. Uh, so it's the same front suspension on a sixty three to an eighty two, I believe. And, really. Uh, they are. Uh, they are big, big old stamped. Uh, stamp steel A arms on that thing, and uh, yeah. you could very easily. I mean, there's a couple of companies that make uh, off the shelf tubular A arms for it. Uh, I don't know how much weight yeah. I could take off, but uh, I mean, I, if I'm with the modification to my car to literally match Christopher's, I think Randy says it's somewhere near 100, 110 pounds with just this switching of. The, the weight, you know what I mean? You're yep. taking weight up, but you're putting bars in, so you're adding a touch. Right. So Jeff wants both of you to come and run Vegas. <laughs> it's not clear. Hey, Jason, Jason, I got to fly, though. Uh, I got I got some duties I got to attend to. Okay. I hate to end this so short, but I did tell you I, I was uh, at a pretty big deal for one of my buddies. Yep. And I, I, I do hate to run it short, but I have to fly. No sweat. We'll hey, talk to you soon. Ben. All right, sir. Thank you for having me on. We'll plan it again. Absolutely. Sounds good, Ben. We'll get you on this. We'll get you in the studio. Take care. Thank you very much. All right, see ya. There goes. There goes. Ben Height. He was, uh, I was just setting the table to, to start letting him go. I've been watching the clock. I knew he had about 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually was at uh, Tim Fletcher's uh, wedding rehearsal dinner oh. um, right before coming on the show. Um, so he texted me at 630 and said, hey, we just got out of the church and uh, I can make it. And uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I really appreciate Ben coming on and basically uh, squeezing us in. Yep, made it work. And uh, so Jeff wants me to go out, uh, yes. wants both of us both to go out. Both of you, to... and he also thinks that you should do the uh, tubular front end as well. It's just money. 
You've got it. <laughs> <laughs> it is just money, that is for sure. It's It's been one of those projects, I will say, that I've looked at for the race car for a long time. Um, All the projects for the race car have been looked at for a long oh, time. Oh, there's, there's plenty of them. Uh, you, you know, it's this is part how of... Old is the, how old are the windows in that car? I had them... I mean, they're old. They're not ridiculously old. I had them replaced... When I had the car painted by Scott Jaron, so it was probably now. Granted, I'm going to say not that old, but you got to remember when you get old like me, time flies. I'm going to say it was probably 2001. Yeah, (laughs) I I do remember. I do know that I was living at my house in Rochester uh, because I remember watching the car. Uh, on a flatbed being towed away and was that front end project something that was on the radar then no it wasn't definitely wasn't on the radar then because i didn't have the money to do it then um and you know i go back and forth i mean there's the hey it's a race car let's just cut it off and make it a race car and put struts on it and then there's the no it's an original 63 corvette you really shouldn't do that you could make the car better the front suspension better um significantly better not just better but significantly better take some weight off and just put some bolt on a-arms uh, mm-hmm. on the front of it um and uh, go that route and i just keep going back and forth and because i go back and forth nothing happens um and uh it's like your garage <laughs> it, it, it's like the, it's like a lot of things uh just, just. <laughs> especially when it comes for me especially when it comes to spending money um you know i need what i need is a consultant um I'm just, Chris, I'm just going to write you the check. That's all I'm going to do. You go out and you do the research and you figure out what's best. I'm just going to write you the check and you just get it done. That's what I need because otherwise I am the paralysis by analysis king. I I think you just need to call Randy. Uh, check. What should I do? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, now, I mean, I didn't, didn't really think about it, honestly, until Ben happened to mention it. It's like, that's been something I've wanted to do for a long, long time. And I don't like the idea of cutting it off. I mean, because this is original, but I'm a purist. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's and that's definitely where I'm at. And the question becomes: It's like, you know, is the car ever going back to stock? No, it's never going back to stock. Um, <laughs> Just said you towed it with a covered wagon. <laughs> what was that? Just said you towed it with a covered wagon. <laughs> oh, right. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, that's about. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it's really tough for me to make that decision. But I mean, I think overall, I mean, putting a set of there's a lot of cars out there where they, you know, let's call it require a stock front suspension. Mm-hmm. So tubular A arms are okay, but struts are not. And yeah, would I get the full benefit? Uh, from a weight saving standpoint, no, but I know I would save a ton of weight, and I know the front suspension geometry would be a heck of a lot better with a set of modern tubular A arms on it. Um, that my guess is that it's one of those things where it's like, well, you don't have to cut it up, and you get eighty mm, percent of the way, ninety percent of the way there by going to a tubular A arm setup. Mm. Probably seems to be the better way to go than, uh, yeah, taking the sawzall to the front of an original '63 Corvette, right? just money <laughs> yeah that's uh that's it so we'll see but yeah maybe i'll uh just even volunteering to do it for you the the a-arms or the sawzall uh it just says i'll do it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably probably the sawzall uh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, and again, you know, Billy Lieber and I have talked about this, and he's like, uh, why would you do that? He's like, we should just cut that front suspension off and put struts on it. And, yeah, to a certain extent, he's right, because am I ever putting that car back to a streetcar? Um, again, it can never go back to be original because of what's already been cut out of it. So, but. Just is going to do all of it. I would say full tube chassis and uh, <laughs> be done with it. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll talk to Randy and see about. <laughs> the only thing uh, left original will be the mirror. <laughs> I will say the one nice thing is that uh, if I if we were to do that, it would give uh, Randy a little bit more room to put a set of headers in it. Uh, that's for sure. He'd probably be a really trying to convince me hard to do that project to make his header job uh, a little bit easier. You got an hour hour and twenty minute ride home. You can make a phone call. You know, it's Randy's birthday today. Actually. Uh, uh, so happy birthday, Randy Jewell. But uh, uh, so yeah, I, I won't try and get him on the phone tonight. I'll let him uh, enjoy his birthday and, and you ride to Honeyard tomorrow. Yeah, so I'll call him in the morning, uh, <laughs> or I'll just show up uh, when we bring the car to him next week with a big pile of cash and be like, "Surprise! I'm going to give you a lot more money than you thought." Uh, yeah, it's hard. I will say that's one hard thing is that when you do have a race car, um, you know, a lot of in a lot of cases. Well, the last time I redid the car, it was it turned into this. It was, well, first I just wanted to have the the aluminum redone, the interior. And that turned into, well, geez, if you're going to do that, you really should redo the cage at the same time. And it's like, well, if you're doing that, that means you got to pull all the wiring and all the fuel lines and everything else out of it, too. So you might as well redo all of that. So what turned into what started as a $2,000 project just to redo the tin on the inside turned into basically a $10,000 job to kind of redo the entire car. Um, and yeah, that's if I was only independently wealthy. Well, once you cut it off, then you can put the big block in it. Oh, well, that's that's where Lieber's going as well. Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, what we should do is put the struts in it and put a big block in it. And yes, I realize that's probably what I should do, but uh, I don't know. I'm a I'm a small block guy at heart, and uh, I wish the pro stock trucks were still around because I'd. Uh, buy one of their old engines and put that in the car and have like the baddest small block in the planet uh, in the Corvette. But uh, the the problem is, is that when you look at doing building small blocks versus big blocks, they don't make sense money-wise. Um, the big block doesn't make any sense? No, the small block doesn't make any sense. Block. Because for the money that you're going to spend on a small, on a small block, uh, unless you're going to go turbo or something like that, this money, the money you're going to spend on a small block is going to be just as much, let's call it, for a big block for less power. See, I was, I'm a little surprised by that just because the small block stuff is so, so kind of, well, I guess the big block stuff is just as common too. The big block stuff, I mean, nowadays for sportsman racing, big block stuff is more common. You can buy, I think it's the 555 that you can buy from like Shafroff or Rare and Morrison, and you buy that motor for, oh, I'm going to say... I'll call it a long block. I won't call it complete. I'll call it a long block uh, for, you know, $12,000. And that motor will make 950 horse. You buy the, you spend the same money on the small block and you're going to get a small block that makes 200 horsepower less. Um, anybody building a car brand new is not <laughs> is not going to build a small block. It doesn't make any sense I mean, at all. No, get your big block at Walmart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What do you think? We covered a lot. Ended up covering a lot for for what uh, where we were at at eleven o'clock this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm really thankful that Ben was able to join us and give us a quick uh, rundown in between uh, all the stuff he had going on today. And uh, like I said, hopefully we'll get to have him uh, have him in the studio. Maybe we'll get him in the studio uh, 
after he gets back from Piedmont. That'd be good. He'll have a good. He'll, I'm sure, he'll have a couple of good stories to right. tell. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Well, I think uh, I think we'll stick a fork in it from here. I think we're going to call it good. This episode is in the books. We appreciate everybody coming on and hanging out for a little while. That's going to do it for us here at the North Park Building here at Academy Square at FingerLakes1.tv. We'll see everybody again in a couple weeks. We got a couple different angles that they're still open yep. at this point. So hopefully we'll be able to make good on some of those. Which, uh, there was a lot of messages sent around the last couple of days to, oh, yeah. to make this happen. and. I think we're going to have some good guests on in the, in the coming weeks because of uh, yeah we did a whole bunch of legwork uh, in the last couple of days. So. Yep, so that should be good. All right, guys, I appreciate you listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks a lot. That's going to do it for us here. See you then. This has been the Final Round Drag Racing Podcast, coming to you live from the FingerLakes1.com studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. We'll see you right back here again in two weeks. Thanks for watching. <laughs>